Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 This is Difference Makers. Welcome. Mike Lee here, Director of Local Ministries for True Talk 800, now on 106.3 FM in East Portland and Vancouver, 93.9 KPDQ, AM 860 The Answer KPAM. La Patrona 1640, 93.1 El Rey, and 104.1 The Fish. And I'd love to talk with you about promoting your ministry, business, or school to thousands of people at Fish Fest from your own booth, getting more people back to your church, sharing about your ministry through our free online church directory and church service live stream directory, expanding your ministry or business beyond your walls, establishing yourself as an authority in your field, and becoming more known through radio, building awareness of your company or outreach by hosting our events at your location but at no risk to you, marketing your message or brand directly to your target audience through the latest and most powerful online tools of Salem Surround, and most importantly, if your ministry leader or pastor could use a phone call, a word of encouragement, a cup of coffee, or a connection to others, please email me at mikelee at kpdq.com. That's M-I-K-E-L-E-E at kpdq.com. Our very special guest today is Stuart Smith. You may remember him from Calvary Chapel, Portland, from Crossroads in Vancouver. And now, Stuart leads Clackamas County Love, Inc. So, welcome, Stuart Smith. How are you today, sir? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for having me today. Always a pleasure. I've enjoyed your friendship over the years and the various ministries that you've served so well so what's your official title with Love, Inc.? Sure. Uh, yeah, so my official title with Love, Inc. of Clackamas County is the executive director. I've been there just since uh, September. So coming up on a year, unbelievable. Has it been a quick year? <laughs> I've never seen a year move so fast. Yeah, it has been very, very fast. Love it. So give us the big picture. What exactly yeah. is Love, Inc.? and what do you do in our community? Yeah, that's a great question. And so Love, Inc. is not incorporated. So the Inc. does not stand for incorporated. It actually stands for In the Name of Christ. And Love, Inc. started, I think, let's see if I check my history here, back in 84 in, in Michigan. And the idea behind it is to create, uh, or is that the person recognized that there's gaps between services. So you have services that churches provide, services that uh, other secular, uh, like DHS provides, but there's always a gap somewhere in those services. And so Loving specifically fills those gaps. So as an example, we have a firewood ministry because that is not something that churches normally provide. It's also something that DHS does not provide as well. But for winter heating, we provide firewood for them. So we find gaps that are in our community and we look to fill those through our churches. Oh, I love it, Stuart. So is it pretty easy to find these gaps or these gaping holes where your needs are more vital? Yeah, sometimes because we work directly with our clientele and whether it be phone call and or in person, we just simply ask them, what are some of the things you're finding that are difficult to locate? What are the things that you are in need of 
that you're not able to resource anywhere right now. And then what we will do is we will, once we find what that gap is, we will go to our partner churches and present that to them. And if they have the means or the need or the ability to fill those gaps, then that church partner becomes that gap uh, service. The website address is clackamasloveinc.org. That's clackamasloveinc.org. And can you tell us about any of the projects you've been working on recently, Stuart? Yeah, so right now, so since I'm fairly new, uh, right now we are really working on some of our internal works with our volunteers, with our staff. Uh, Out in our community, we're also uh, coming out of COVID, and so we're also increasing our uh, just visibility to the clientele and our relationships within the churches, our relationships with our with other uh, partners like DHS. And so really our heart right now is just to get our own internal systems and mechanisms really, really healthy because I do feel like there is going to be a wave of more need uh, from people coming. And so we want to really prepare for that. Right now we are hosting – Oh, probably about thirteen to fifteen hundred families a year, and uh, I we want to be prepared if that number doubles. We're not, I'm not saying that it will. <laughs> I'm not certain if it will, but if it does, we want to make sure that we're prepared for that. What if some of the biggest adjustments required during a pandemic for an organization like Love Inc? Yeah, I think some of the biggest adjustments is really recognizing what are the because our our ministry is provided and resourced through our church partnerships. And so when the churches may shut down or if they're not seeing people or if they're not having people come to the churches, if people are meeting in person, uh, that makes it – that adds, is additional, like every other ministry, adds additional complexity uh, to meeting the needs of the people. Uh, because we can be mobile, because we have different resources, we just have to manage some of those expectations and just allow the Lord to really kind of fill those spaces. And so I know during the pandemic um, – so this is – before myself, uh, the former executive director, she made sure that uh, she would resource her church as well, and uh, inf- have some of the our partners. If they were, if the churches were not open, we opened our own building, maybe in the parking lot, for as an example, and people can come and receive their goods, the material goods, uh, through just coming to the um, uh, to our to our own space. Have the area churches been? receptive to what Love, Inc. is doing, and can you give some credit where it's due? Who's really stepped up in the area, Stuart? Sure. Well, yeah, so I know that uh, yeah, the churches really do love Love, Inc. and what we do for the community, and I would say probably one of the main reasons why they love it so much is because it's it's kind of a plug-and-play outreach or ministry to the community. The beautiful thing about it is that a church who's maybe, as an example right now, has maybe seen their, their volunteer limited now. Maybe they're, they have their new limitations coming into uh, this post-pandemic uh, lifestyle. So churches who are not seeing volunteers come back, churches who are not seeing some staff come back, Loving can provide a plug-and-play outreach to the community because we have all of the resourcing capabilities to be able to just to put something into your church, utilize your membership uh, with very low cost uh, to the church, which is beautiful. And so, yes, yeah, so some of our great church partners is Malala Christian, Adam, uh, Adam Malala, uh, Zor Lutheran, uh, Zion Lutheran. We work with a lot of different uh, denominations, which makes it really, really exciting uh, for me because I really see from 1 Corinthians 12, the body of Christ is not just the church that I attend. <laughs> and I'm seeing this firsthand that, you know, you have a Lutheran, a Protestant, and a Catholic all working together without any jokes, which is 
makes it also equally fun. <laughs> yeah, we're waiting for the punchline. We're on waiting that, for the punchline we? of that. Well, the, the, maybe the punchline is really is maybe we are the body of Christ doing the work in our community, meeting the needs of people, and providing the gospel to those who have not heard it yet. Is there an ideal church size for working with Love Inc.? Uh, the ideal there really isn't. It's really it's the heart of the the pastor who wants to stay on mission to reach his community. We can work with churches as small as you know twenty five to fifty, as well as we can work with a church of fifteen hundred. Well, that's wonderful, Stuart. So if a church is thinking, well, we want to be more involved in our community, but have no idea where to start, mm-hmm. is Love Inc. a good fit? I think I do, of course. I mean, <laughs> that's what I get paid to say, right? No, um, I think it is. I think it's a great fit because, again, it allows them to meet the needs of their community with, with little effort, but they can also go to the extremes and, and provide a lot more services if they so desire as well. I think that the fit really comes down to um, a lot of a lot of pastors and a lot of churches. And I've been this is I'm, I've been a pastor for over nearly twenty years now, so I understand some of the dynamics of and struggles of being a pastor. Uh, just to, to let you know, but some of those challenges of me of wanting to take really good care of my church members, but that sometimes we get into our own little bubbles and we put almost these barriers around us and we have these events that we might put on that brings people to our event and we hope that they're non-Christian. We hope that we're reaching the needs of the community. But because they're maybe one-off events, maybe like a potluck, for example, you have these one-off events that does um, that does not really allow for the public to get enough exposure to the church. But let's say, for example, you have um, a furniture ministry within your church. Now you're going to have exposure almost every single weekend of individuals that don't know the living God, that don't worship on Sunday. They definitely don't come to your church just for fun, but now you are providing material goods, things that they have a necessity for, and you now are presenting a good image of Christ during that time frame. You may not always be able to preach the gospel or share, you might not always have a salvation, but the beautiful part is that more um, uh, healthy representation of Jesus over time, can lead to a decision. So that's what we get excited about. So do we in the church, Stuart, and I'm not talking about any particular denomination or building or or fellowship, but overall, do Christians often get into a mindset where they're so bent on sharing Jesus, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, that their services or events can kind of come with strings attached? I think so, um, and without getting too funny into this, because I, I do have very large opinions on these things, <laughs> uh, I feel that we have ex- un, um, we have expectations from people or for people that are that may restrict them from actually receiving or hearing the gospel. And I think that we have we put on these events, and sometimes, and this is just my opinion, but I think sometimes we put on those events for ourselves to show activity. Ouch. Sorry. <laughs> no. So, uh, I, I, I love your transparency. I think we need to hear that. Mm-hmm. We need to be able to have these tough conversations. We need to be able to agree to disagree with each other and still coexist and be productive members of society together, mm-hmm. no matter what church we go to or don't go to, no matter what our political persuasions might be. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that that would show this generation especially that we will not cancel you yeah we're gonna love on you anyway because there are people who have needs yeah and we can help yeah well and the church is so perfect to meet the needs of our community 
that is, I mean, we have a calling, we have a biblical mandate, we have a calling to do that, we have, we're, we're learning about this stuff from Sunday to Sunday. Um, and I think that there are some, there are some significant challenges within the church body, um, that are maybe restricting us from doing this. And I think Love Inc. helps us crack that door open and really allows, because again, we will be sending people to you that's gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna look, smell, taste, talk differently than any one of us. And, uh, and I think there's a beautiful element to that. I really feel one of the strongest cases, I believe, um, uh, the, the good Samaritan is a great storyline that this person was the enemy of that gentleman who picked him up out of the, out of the, the ditch and he washed him up. He put him on his own, uh, animal. He took him to an inn and paid for all of his expenses. And I really feel like that is a great earmark for what Love Inc. is able to do in our community with our church partnerships. So Stuart, as the executive director of Clackamas County Love Inc., do you have any recent success stories that really make you proud to be part of this organization? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I have many, 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 many stories and some of my favorite ones. And I'll just share maybe one very success story that kind of takes the full um, takes the full circle, but one of them was such a beautiful story that just happened recently. I was serving alongside our team at uh, Zora Lutheran Church, with it, which holds and hosts our uh, furniture ministry. And a young woman came in there with a, with a friend of hers, and she was getting her kids back from CPS. And she was just she's getting her life back on track. She's getting healthy. Uh, she's got a great um, disposition. And uh, we were able to furnish her entire bedroom so that when when her um, caseworker came to her house she's got uh, beds for each kid she's got a dresser for each kid she's got uh, a rug and she's got even a desk for herself to be able to do work and so we're able to do all these things just because at the at the charity and the generosity of our community Um, but then we get to have these great stories like this young woman who is now getting her kids back and we're able to provide a healthy transition for her now the fun part about this story as well is that uh, she had? Um, I think when she was young, a young person, she had lost. Uh, she was an amputee with her left leg, and that very morning, <laughs> she uh, her wheelchair had broken, which is a big part of her transportation. So she just, she, as she was there, one of our great volunteers recognized that you know recognized that had asked the right questions, made a quick phone call, and our ministry uh, from Malala Christian. Uh, were able to bring out a wheelchair for her that afternoon and get her fitted for it and get her all ready ready to go. And by the time her furniture was loaded up, she also had a wheelchair. So it's just some fun things we get to provide. Another fun story is uh, a young woman who is suffering under domestic violence. Uh, she had uh, and was also pregnant, and she had fled for that uh, the situation. She, she came into our facility in Oregon City and spoke with uh, our volunteer, who happened to also be the teacher of our domestic violence course. And so we do transformational course uh, classes, and we can talk about that in a moment. And so after a quick conversation and some uh, uh, developing a quick relationship, she attended the uh, domestic violence class or course that we took called Healthy Relationships. And uh, she received Jesus on, I think, on the 8th. I think there's a gospel presentation on the 8th class. There's 10 classes total. And she received Jesus uh, during that time, she was fitted into a church that she attends now, and uh, she's now had her second child and is doing really, really well. And uh, we just keep these relationships going because uh, the hope and the heart that we have for these individuals is not that we would meet their material needs. That's how it starts, though, by meeting their material needs where it opens those doors to have faith conversations, which pre- which prayerfully leads to a gospel presentation and, um, and then fitting them into the church. So – Fulfilling material needs mm-hmm. leads to what? 
uh, well, so the way I like to say it is that we leverage our material goods to have a faith conversation because we will we will always ask how can we be praying for them. We will always pray for them. We put our clients that we work with on our kind of a prayer list or prayer chain that we communicate uh, to our our um, our staff, our volunteers, and our partners. There are so many people upgrading furniture uh-huh. or moving yeah. and they can't take things with them. And I'm not saying don't put them up on Craigslist sure. or Nextdoor or Facebook Marketplace. However, mm-hmm. is Clackamas County Love Inc. a 501c3 nonprofit? We are. Yes, we are. Okay. So doesn't that mean if I donate my couch to you that it's technically a tax donation? It is. And I could hand that receipt into my CPA? 100%. Hmm. Just a thought there, Just friends. a thought for you guys. <laughs> so... I want to get more into the transformational classes that mm-hmm. Clackamas County Loving provides. But for right now, uh, I want you to take down this website address. It's clackamasloveinc.org. That's clackamasloveinc.org. And that INC stands for In the Name of Christ. Right. And when we return, more with Executive Director Stuart Smith next on Difference Makers. Welcome back to Difference Makers. My name is Mike Lee, and our very special guest serves as the executive director of a nonprofit group called Clackamas County Love, Inc. His name is Stuart Smith. You may remember him from Crossroads Church in Vancouver and Calvary Chapel, Portland. And somewhere in between, you and your family were actually serving overseas. That's right, yeah. How was that experience for you? Uh, It was an amazing experience. It was so much fun. And the story on it, is, you know, we can go into. I probably should write a book about it because it was quite a good, a good God story. Um, but our time, so I attended uh, Calvary Chapel, Portland. Uh, I was the youth pastor there for about ten years, and somewhere in uh, in that time span of time, uh, the Lord prophetically called myself and my family. I have a a, a twenty a wife of twenty six years, not a twenty six year old wife, a wife of twenty six <laughs> years, and uh, and a now an eighteen, uh, almost nineteen year old son, and uh, so about. Six or seven years ago, the Lord prophetically called us to go to Hungary to attend Bible college. And so I attended the Calvary Chapel Bible College in Europe, in Hungary, in Vita, Hungary, a small little village of about 300 people, including the college campus as well. And it was one of those times in my life that has just really opened my eyes to people, uh, to communities, uh, to ethnicities, uh, to faiths, and to um, just – it really showed me – um, the value of people in so many different ways. And it really opened my eyes. You know, again, I spoke a little bit ago about us pre- creating these little bubbles of protection around us that keeps at, keep out all the bad guys, you know, or all the bad things, unless I watch it on TV or uh, other things. <laughs> but I think that it, when we travel, it really allows us to get exposure that I think is so healthy for us. Um, and it definitely was for me. And so I spent about, we spent about three years in Hungary and about a year in Italy. And uh, some of the fun stories from there specifically is that I got to work uh, with the Nigerian refugees that were coming out of Nigeria and some of the other uh, north and, and western parts of Africa. And uh, I worked in the, um, with, the, with the gentleman that uh, maybe about 20 or so Christians that I, walk, I worked with for a little while and just did some VBS, or not VBS, but some um, Bible studies with them and just you know creating relationships with them and walking them near to Jesus, which was a lot of fun. Um, but the 
part of the exciting part really was that we also adopted a little girl uh, in Hungary as well. So, and again, these stories that only the Lord can curate, um, which we happen to be a part of, were just so much fun, you know. But we, as soon as we landed, I think it was January fifteen or twenty fifteen or something like that. And um, within a few weeks, we we're um, in a town just a few miles where we were living, signing up, signing paperwork to be adoptive parents. Uh, so it's just, uh, it's just this. I know it sounds, it's more random, it's more crazy than just even saying it that way. But even saying it like that, it sounds pretty crazy. But uh, we were on this journey to adopt a little girl. Within um, eight months, we had her in our household, and now she's living with us here in the states. And uh, um, it just it's so much fun. It's so God is so much fun. So you already were blessed with a son at this point. Mm-hmm. So did you always have it on your heart to be an adoptive couple? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think that my wife and myself, we always wanted to have a, you know at least a couple of kids. And uh, and my son, after my son's birth, we were no longer able to have children. And so adoption was always on our heart or um, fostering was on our heart for sure. Uh, but the cost of doing that is so high. It's astronomical. The beautiful thing, one of those God stories in Hungary, is that if you're a resident of Hungary, there is no fees. There's no cost to adopt. You just have to go through courses. You have to. So I think our total cost of adoption, because we had to do some driving, we had to do, we had to rent an, a, a, an apartment for a couple of weeks or something like that as we were doing some visitation things. I think our total cost was maybe eight hundred dollars. You know, so it's just one of those beautiful testimonies of the Lord that us wanting to have a little bit larger family, uh, we're able to do. So she's nine years old now. Her name is Sophia, and she's she's a. Uh, um, She's a lot of fun. <laughs> she's she's the reason why my hair is coming in a little bit grayer these days, though, for sure. <laughs> it's funny and wonderful and awesome and frightening all all at once. 100%. How different these kids are. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it is a lot of fun. Stuart, you'd mentioned that you were directly given the calling to serve overseas. Mm-hmm. Could you share that story with us? Yeah, of course. Uh, so. We were serving with at Calvary Chapel Portland uh, under Pastor Terry, who we're uh, equal and very good friends with. We love Terry McNair. Oh, my gosh. He is the best. Good man. He is the best. And so I was serving under his leadership for a number of years as a youth pastor, and I was actually um, hosting these Portland youth conferences year over year. And I had no desire to leave, to leave at all. I actually, I wanted to retire as the youth pastor at Calvary Chapel Portland. That was kind of a, a dream of mine to be able to, to, be able to do that. Um, and... There was a time at the end of this youth conference I would hold over uh, every year, and we were it's a Monday through Friday, and we had a concert at the end. And when we were locking up the building uh, on that Friday evening, the Lord spoke to me directly, almost au- nearly audible. Uh, I could definitely hear it in my mind's ear, and uh, He said that you won't be you'll be you won't be locking this building much longer, anyways. You won't be hearing it much longer. And so that started about a year and a half of prayer between my wife and myself. And so after about a year and a half of praying. Um, it's so funny because <laughs> we we became we kind of was I think we called it CPR. We had this idea that the Lord that we had this calling, we had this uh, peace, and then we had rest. And the the idea that my wife and I were looking for was what did we what is the stirring that we have within our hearts? And there was a um, a conference that was happening in within Calvary Chapel, the Senior Pastors Conference, and I was actually working on one of my vehicles. Uh, I think it was a, my Chevy Tahoe. And as I'm working on my Chevy Tahoe, I don't know if it was somebody, one of the speakers said something, but again, I heard that voice that I want to send you to Bible college. And I, and I, I, 
I know that it might <laughs> how people think about that. I don't know, but I mean, it was it was very real as I'm as I'm speaking to you right now. And so I went into my uh, went into my house and I spoke with my wife and I said, "Here's what I think the Lord is doing." She goes, "This is what we've been praying for." She goes, and that very moment we we had that immediate confirmation, uh, and we had our peace, and then we had we had rest in our prayer. We no longer prayed about where what we had to do. Our prayers then turned to where we were going to go, and we had this. We had a very prophetic, um, you know, person speak to us and share with us where we needed to go. So, but in the meantime, uh, we had a number of people handing us Bible college literature immediately after we had I had this confirmation. And so we just thought, okay, this is just continued confirmation um, of what we need to do. And then one of my good friends, uh, Joe Minnick. Hello, Joe, if you're listening. I, he's in, I think he's in Deschutes area. So this is actually uh, Pastor Terry's son-in-law. <laughs> so keep it in the family kind of a thing. Um, but we were, it was a youth, uh, one of our Wednesday night gatherings. And uh, Joe said, uh, hey, Stuart, I think you need to go to Bible college. And I just said, you know, Joe, I appreciate that. At this point, we've not told anybody. It's now been at least almost a month and a half of my wife and I praying. And I said, you know, Joe, that's I appreciate you saying that, and I didn't let on to anything. I haven't let on anything yet. I said, but you know my position here. You know that you know how maybe little I make. You know my circumstances. It's like how would how would I ever do that? What would you do in my situation? And at that moment, he goes, I would go to Bible College in Europe, at, to the Calvary Chapel Bible College in Europe. And I thought, boy, this is just too wild, too crazy. But the fun part about that story is several weeks later, uh, his wife came up to me and said, hey, did Joe tell you? And I said, did Joe tell me what? He goes, well, Joe was not going to share that with you because the prophecy came to me that you need to go to Bible college. And so I told Joe, my husband, to tell Stuart that he needs to go to Bible college in Hungary. And Joe said, well, how am I, you know, we know who Stuart, he's such a big deal, right? I'm such a big deal. So how, <laughs> sorry, we're, Mike and I are both laughing at that, of course. Um, but, you know, how would I tell Stuart this? Like, I'm not going to tell Stuart that he's got to leave the church and go to Bible college. And then his wife said, well, if he asks you, what would you do in my situation? Then tell him this. And so the, all of these beautiful confirmations just kept coming and coming and coming. And uh, at that moment, at that time, my wife and I, we think we went down to, um, camp, we went out camping with my son. And we all, as a family, just began praying about the reality of what this would mean, you know, picking up everything, selling our house, selling. We had a dog. That was a big hindrance, our dog. My son was not going to move uh, and go overseas. He was 11 at the time because we had a dog. <laughs> and just again, the Lord just prophetically speaking at Sister's Coffee in, in Sister's Oregon, you know, to my son saying, it's okay to let Ella go. <laughs> you know, and so it's just all these great things, you know, and I think a lot of it, it just comes down to, so my wife is is reading a lot of missionary books right now. And that 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 strange obedience the things the strange things that happen when you're obedient are just they're just awesome stories they're it just has the biblical narrative all over it and um it's incredible and it's it's a blessing and humbling for sure uh to have kind of a biblical narrative story in your in your history so what a great crazy wild testimony you shared and that's the 30,000 feet view <laughs> oh i love it you know selfishly I don't want to hear that obedience is more important than sacrifice. Right. I want to think I've got it all set. I know what we're doing here, God. All you right. got to do is yes. help back me. Yeah. I don't want to hear it from him, sadly. Mm -hmm. But yeah, when we are obedient, it's amazing how much more God can do th yeah. through even the best of intentions that we might have. 
Yeah, and I think I think it's a difference and just kind of going to kind of a funny direction, I guess, but it's kind of the difference between eating out of a microwave and eating from a crock pot. There is you can get fed from a microwave, right? In fact, I think that's how I ate this morning. <laughs> but but the food from a crock pot just provides so much more nourishment, but it also provides community. I don't know many people that feed their guests or their people from a microwave. But from a crock pot, man, I had you can eat a lot of good food from a crock pot. <laughs> Or a barbecue, however, but I think that's that long, you know, that long time of just simmering of all the flavors all together. You know, it's just, it makes for a beautiful meal. So what do we modern Christians here do to sabotage ourselves or to diminish what we're hearing from God because we're listening to so many other sources? Yeah. yeah. I think the thing that we're sacrificing, um, yeah, this would get into some more of those difficult and challenging um, topics for sure. But I think the things that we're sacrificing, I think the things that we are harming or hurting and is a an accurate perspective of who God is. I think that the God that we are, and this might, this is going to sound bad, but the God that we are selling with our current lifestyles um, is not the God from Scripture. And it's not the God that we read about from these great missionaries of, our, of, of history. Uh, and I feel that it is a, a God, again, kind of coming out of a microwave. You know, kind of there's a half-hearted hosting, there's a half-hearted love, there's a half-hearted passion, a half-hearted, you know, and um, and I think a lot of it, and, this, and I'm only speaking from, my, from me as a person, me as a person, this is the stuff that I struggle with, and I'll let our guests <laughs> uh, walk through this, but I don't like to be discomforted. I want to have comfort in my life, and comfort in our life does not provide an accurate perspective of who God is. I think Jesus is Jesus and God is the God of discomfort. That's a great observation, Stuart. I used to tell God, I've got enough content. I've got enough material. You know, mm-hmm. we've had the nine miscarriages. We had mm-hmm. the move across country into uncertainty. Yeah. I don't need any more material, God. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. I, he hasn't quite agreed yet. So Well, you know, you think about and I Oh, gosh, if I could recall. The, so the book is Evangelistic Sermons by Abe Bennett. And if I can remember the quote, he talks about that Christians need to, when they stop, when, they, when they're no longer part of the current of what God is doing, then they are dead. And he, and he brings up this idea of like a, a cyclist is either pedaling or he's stepping off the bike or he's falling down. And I think a lot of it, you know, when we, when we say, when we say things, I've, and I've said this too, Mike, you know, and so I've. I'm I'm your greatest fan when it comes to, hey, God, I've had enough. <laughs> um, but at the same time, it's like God, you know, he took his son to the cross. That's when he said it was finished. And even after that, right, he, three days later, we had another uh, couple episodes and events and some fun stuff. But I think that if we as our, our opportunity to represent him well um, is even post-life in a lot of ways, you know. And so I think that we, our walk, but it shouldn't. I don't want to be misguided, though, too. It's like my goal is not to impress or to represent God to other people, but is to walk with a solid walk with Jesus. That is the representation. It's not me providing some outer garment that people can look at and say, oh, he must be a follower of Christ. But my outer garment is from that the cleanliness and the character who I am as a person. And so I think that, that in that space, you know, we can really do a lot of work in. Stuart, not every one of us in the Christian world hears directly from God every day when it comes to 
the big picture and overall direction. So in layman's terms, can you share about how you and your wife came up with the decision Mm -hmm. and the confirmations which led you to the big move? I mean, you were in a great church. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Terry McNabb's Calvary Chapel, Portland. Uh, to th- to this day, uh, y'all are still family. Oh, yeah. oh you know, yeah. When when there are big weddings and funerals, That's y'all right. still get together. Oh yeah. yeah. And, and and I love to see that. But you were happy at that point mm-hmm. when God pulled you out of the comfort zone. So yeah. Can you tell us how you went through the process of discerning? Is this God's will or is this mine? Yeah, I don't know if I can put a a word or a sentence together that would be able to complete your question honestly, with the exception that my wife and I specifically, we were, we were happy. We, I loved being under Pastor Terry's leadership. I love the family. Like I just spent 4th of July with a number of our friends from Calvary Chapel. Um, and you know, we, we do, we celebrate and we, and we uh, mourn the loss of a friend recently. And, uh, we do that a lot together still to this day. And I think, Calvary Chapel Portland has um, been shut down now for four or five years now, something like that. And uh, um, but we're still a family, you know. We 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 still grow together, and it's beautiful. I think that the challenge in in sharing what that is is because there's such an intimacy. It's you know, it's it's like me trying to share. For those of you who are married, you may understand, but that pillow talk between my wife and myself, you know, there is a, there's a level of intimacy that I think that had occurred specifically during that time. I would say that when we try to escape um, escape uh, the non-comfortable life, when we try to make everything perfect around us, I think God has a hard time breaking through that noise that we've created around us. And I think that it's when you are um, maybe in persecution of sorts, if you are definitely troubled in the spirit, um, if you are um, in deep contemplation— um, I think that those are the areas where we we forcefully get silent before the Lord. We we make ourselves, in other words, we make ourselves listen better. You know, um, I did this a youth conference, I think a couple of years ago, and uh, part of my illustration to hearing God's voice was to uh, take the microphone away from my, my mouth and speak plainly, even at a whisper. Now, this youth of maybe just over a couple hundred youth if they wanted to hear the, my message, they actually had to leave the pews and come down front. And so that you have to have an intentional desire to want to wait to hear the Lord. And I think that even in my own life, I have to remember that this has got to be a rhythm within my life. And I really feel there's it's more than just praying, I would say as well, that we need to curate. I, I'm saying we need to as, a, as if I have any authority over anybody listening. Uh I need to curate a rhythm in my life of praying and fasting. I believe that there is a connection, um, a, a connectivity between praying and fasting that is a, almost a lost art in today's world. Great advice from Stuart Smith, who serves as Executive Director of Clackamas County Love, Inc. We're going to be hearing more about its programs and its classes in particular, and you can find out more details at the website clackamasloveinc.org, which is spelled clackamasloveinc.org. More with Stuart Smith next on Difference Makers.
You're listening to Difference Makers. My name is Mike Lee, and Stuart Smith is the executive director of Clackamas County Love, Inc., a wonderful nonprofit group that helps empower the churches to really serve the community. And you can find out more at the website, clackamasloveinc.org, which I'll link up to the Difference Makers page at truetalk800.com. Stuart, you were sharing about serving in missions overseas and how God threw in a daughter from Hungary for you to adopt. And regarding discovering God's calling and discerning if it's really from him mm-hmm. or it's from us, you'd mentioned praying and fasting really helped you out in mm-hmm. this situation. Yeah. So how did that work for you? Yeah, so I think that there is a connect there's a connective tissue between praying and fasting. And we often will pray um, but a lot of times our praying is maybe before a meal or maybe before some event or maybe you're liking something on Facebook and you're saying that you're praying. Um, but I feel like the idea of fasting is kind of a lost art within the Christian circles. I think we'll do it in a lot of ways. And I don't want to get too dogmatic on it, but I feel like a specifically a food fast is is very important. Now, obviously, if there's a dietary challenges or there's issues with your health and um but I feel like there is there is some, there is something that is connected to the food that we eat and our prayer life and our spiritual journey, um, and it's and again this is more maybe my own experience. Um, so I don't want to step on anybody's toes or make any sex. I know that there's there's a lot of people that have different physical challenges and ailments. I know for myself that when I am specifically looking for the Lord's peace or within when there's things that don't make sense or there's no reason to them. Uh, of which I've experienced quite a bit of that in my my recent history, but I think in that in that space when there's fasting involved, it really opens you up. And there's a, a great book. And there's not a lot of great books on on fasting, unfortunately, which I think is very interesting. Uh, but there is a couple of them, and one of them by John Piper, "A Hunger for God." And I think the title, in in and of itself, is almost enough. <laughs> you know, the idea that that we neglect food for ourselves to to grow our appetite for Jesus and for our, our desire for him. And I feel that there are, there are too many um, things that we use in place of fasting. Maybe it's from social media, maybe it's from TV, maybe it's from whatever. Um, but I, I, and those are not wrong. I'm not saying that those are bad, but I feel like they don't have this. For me, they've never had the same power. Again, I'll put this on myself. They've never had the same power um, in that space. And I think that there is in that connective tissue between praying and fasting is that's where you see even biblically, historically, that's where people do hear from the Lord. You know, Daniel praying and fasting. All of a sudden, an angel speak, opens up and says, hey, how's it going, you know? Um, you have some great stories uh, that are connected to praying and fasting specifically. And I think that those are, um, I think we overlook those too quickly. And to reiterate what Stuart was saying, there are people that have health issues mm-hmm. who yeah. need to perhaps find something else to fast from. But for the average, normal, healthy person, yeah, I think it's a bit of a lost art, as you were sharing. Mm-hmm. So maybe if there's not enough good books about fasting and prayer, maybe God's going to call Stuart Smith to write the next one one of these days. <laughs> it's in the works. I got Scribner and everything. So yeah. Oh, you're way ahead of me. Good for you. Well, let us know <laughs> yeah. when that comes sure, out. We're great. looking forward to that, Stuart. So as the executive director of Love, Inc., it's not only physical resources Mm -hmm. that you're helping people out with. It's also transformational classes. So can you share what you're offering? 
Yeah, absolutely. And so we we do offer a number of classes. And again, these are based upon the needs that we see in our community. Uh, a lot of them are parenting classes. For we have a, we do serve the majority of the people that we serve are working poor, and they are either single moms or uh, lowing very low income families. Those are that's kind of our niche. And so the classes that we provide um, will meet some of their basic needs. So of course we have a faith and finance class. Uh, we don't have these. Some of these are coming up, so we're we're really kind of ironing these out right now. Um, but I know that we have a parenting class coming up. We will have, uh, probably in the future have a a cooking on a budget class. Uh, we'll have some of those. Uh, we actually this this semester this course coming up, we do have someone that's going to be teaching uh, guitar classes, which is kind of fun. And uh, and so the classes that we provide, in my opinion, in my mind, is that it's another caveat for us to be able to get individuals in front of people who love Jesus. And so that's where like the guitar class doesn't have a lot of maybe practical how do I get out of poverty kind of a, a situation. But the gentleman who is going to be teaching that class. Uh, he's actually from Athey Creek, and he is just dynamite. He's such a great man, and and if if I can get if I can draw people in uh, to our our atmosphere, our, our gravitational pull uh, through guitar classes to get them in front of Mark, um, then I think that's a huge win. <laughs> and I think and I think the Lord will utilize those six stringing instruments to be able to bring the gospel out. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I wonder if a lot of the world sees us Christians as lacking in the fun department. Yeah, well, this, 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 the, fun, the fundamentals, right? That's all fun. No, it's, <laughs> that's, that's how we started it. It's just like I don't diet because it's got the word die in front of it, you know. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think so too. I think that when – I think there's two parts of it. I think that they probably do see us as restricting fun, um, but I don't know that they see the side of where, where obedience is. Like my obedience to my wife of remaining faithful to her – is way better than I, than all the heartbreaks of maybe someone who's single and, and messing around. You know, I, I don't know what that looks like personally. I've been married for a couple of years now. Um, but that idea is like being obedient to my wife and faithful to her. Man, I would never trade that for anything that the world would have to offer for sure. And I think in the same space that obedience to God is way better than flirting with the things of this world. You know what, Stuart, I think especially when we work in ministry, you had mentioned earlier that there's a temptation to try to set up these bubbles of protection, Mm. and we can have a nice enough, comfortable situation in our little churchy life and hope that brings people to Jesus, but not really be willing to discern what God's calling to do directly or sacrifice Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that which he's not calling us to do. Right, yeah. So do you have any good advice when it comes to character? As you were saying, charisma over character is one of the flawed viewpoints that so many people in churches and ministries have today. You stir for years as a youth pastor. Mm -hmm. So that, to me, means you're intrinsically cool or fun. (laughs) Otherwise, you never would have gone into that. Sure. (laughs) I'll let other people uh, share if I'm fun or if I've got – any charisma, I suppose. And I, and I think that one of the beautiful things and one of the things I always strive to do, specifically as a youth pastor, but even today when I, when I do have someone of uh, a younger person's ear, is when they ask me to, hey, what should I do in ministry? What should I, what, what should I be studying? What should I, be, I, I always direct them to books or to people that have high character. Uh, I think that that is the thing that I think our world is looking for. I think that there is enough people that are – I think we have enough celebrities in the world. I think what we lack is good character in people. And, you know, in the Me Too movement would be um, a good example of that. 
is that when people are now being revealed of having poor character, their networks, their their airtime, everything gets canceled. And this cancel culture is a is a direct relationship to people of poor character. Um, but the I think the church has got the greatest opportunity to capitalize in this in this um, culture that we're currently living right now, where the biblical narrative, if we are following Jesus correctly, we should have very good and strong characters, which could be a great opportunity for people with that are seeking good character, that are seeking authenticity with good character, um, to really have um, to really fill their pews, to really fill their churches with people who want good character. I think that when we have such a high focus on charisma, um, we're, we're selling ourselves short. We're selling, um, we're selling again, that go back to that, that other analogy of a microwave versus the crock pot. You know, people can eat a little while from a microwave, but then they're going to, they're going to walk out because the microwave can only provide so much nutrients. So I feel that, you know, if we can build our, at the church and we build our character, um, I think we'll be in a much healthier position in front of the world. And I think that, again, I, the thing I love about Love, Inc. is that it provides opportunity for you to meet with individuals um, that are not normally going to come to church um, because we're doing, I think the Chalmers Center with the Brian Fickert said this, you know, churches try to provide a soup kitchen where there's a line of people that have needs um, and then there's people that have. So you have the haves and the have-nots, and they're always divided by the table and resources. And what happens is it says, hey, we are the people that have something. You guys are the poor, poor souls that will never have anything, but we're going to give you a, we're going to give you some soup. We're going to give you a, a piece of bread. And those things are not bad or intrinsically, you know, terrible evil in and of themselves for sure. But the idea of the model of a potluck where everybody comes and they bring in their resources together, it offers dignity. It offers uh, community. It offers uh, a new flavor. It offers new spices uh, to the otherwise what the churches are used to. And I feel like specifically Love, Inc. does a great job at handling that because we we have all of these churches of all these different denominations who um, who otherwise don't network together very well at all, uh, which was a kind of a surprise to me. But then we have all these churches of different denominations under the banner, so to speak, of Love, Inc., and then we take our clientele, who are the people that are from the world, you know, they're coming in from all over, all walks of life, um, who maybe don't have an accurate view, but then they get to sit in your church and hear your story and communicate with you um, because of, of this opportunity that they have a material need. And so just to get that exposure of individuals um, is such a healthy and beautiful thing. Stuart, you obviously have such a heart for serving the Lord and for your wife, and for your family, and for the church at large. So can you tell us a little bit about Stuart Smith? Where did you grow up in the first place? Sure, yeah. So I'm, uh, what I understand, I'm a unicorn, uh, born and raised here in the Northwest in Portland. So I was born up on the hill, up on Pill Hill. <laughs> and uh, um, yeah, I met, I went to all the, all the elementary schools and middle schools and high schools in the area. And so I'm, I am a natural born here in Portland. And, uh, and I love, love the city of Portland. And I feel like, you know, we have, again, the church has got a great opportunity to to serve uh, here in Portland. It's needed. Um, so myself, yeah, I went to, it took me three high schools to get out of high school. Uh, I went to a Catholic school um, uh, my freshman year at Jesuit High School. Uh, and just as a quick fun side note, I, I, um, I lettered in basketball um, because I was the basketball manager, not because I played very much uh, basketball. <laughs> So there's a little, little caveat, but then, uh, um, and then I went to Sunset High School where I met my, um, my wife. 
and then I graduated from Merlot Station uh, High School uh, in Beaverton. So, yeah, it took me three to get out, but I, I did it. I got out. <laughs> but you made it. Well, if it makes you feel any better about being a basketball team manager, I was a statistician. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Okay. <laughs> KB got eight steals this game. That, that was the, the gist of my basketball lack of ability. That's awesome. That is so good. Yeah, so I met my wife at Sunset High School, and uh, we were quickly engaged and uh, and got married. So I was 19, and she was 18 when we got married. Uh, and as a youth pastor and as, a, and as an adult now, I think that was insane. And uh, um, I never recommend it, and I've uh, obviously— for a number of different reasons, um, but I don't. I don't know. I think maybe my wife and I are just stubborn, and we have very bad memories. So when she offends me, when she hurts me, or I hurt her, or, or offend her, we can't remember more than a, you know. We have a goldfish memory in this, you know. And I think whether that's a a, a treasure um, or a curse, I don't know. Um, but my wife and I will get into a little. Uh, conversation all of a sudden like you know i forgot what i was mad at you about i'm thinking praise the lord <laughs> and it happens more on you know one side than the other i won't mention which side but uh, <laughs> who gets in more trouble that really sounds like a gift Stuart. yeah so was it a strong christian family where you were raised when did your faith become your own yeah that's a great that's a great question and so i would say that we did we were raised in christian homes my, both my wife and i were and so i i always admire the testimonies that are black and white you know i was a i was a you know like a paul or a saul you know i was like he was a murderer he was a persecutor of the church and all of a sudden he has this phenomenal damascus road you know you know transformation and um that wasn't that's not my story i had this maybe this slow move towards the lord you know i always knew of jesus never had any challenges with with him or anybody else um but i always felt that that was um there was always a challenge with that, I guess. You know, I've always had this kind of gray area of my relationship. And I think there's two parts to that, I guess, is that first, it you could look at that as a negative and say, well, I've never known a day that I didn't know Jesus. And so I don't really have a testimony that says I was this wicked, horrible, whatever, you know, and they had this transformation. Uh, but on the other side, too, it's a, it's a testimony of God's faithfulness, too, that I have a testimony that I've always known Jesus and that I still follow him today, which is definitely worth it. Um so I think on that side, yeah, I, I grew up in a Christian household and uh, very uh, honored to be able to have that that testimony now. So yeah, I don't need to be – I'm glad that I don't have the the history, the memories of, of harming a lot of people or doing some pretty crazy things, even though I'm not perfect at all, at all. I've got – I got plenty of tragic stories, <laughs> but I don't have I don't have some of those other ones that are crazier. Stuart Smith serves as executive director of the nonprofit group Clackamas County Love Inc. And I want you to find out more about the wonderful programs and classes and this shoe drive they have mm-hmm. coming up at the website clackamasloveinc.org. That's clackamasloveinc.org. Stuart, on our way out, is there anyone you want to say hi to or send a shout out to? Well, of course, you have to, I've mentioned my wife a few times, so I have to say hello, Shauna. Uh, Shauna Smith, my, my wife of 26 years. Uh, I love you, and uh, I'll just kind of throw those out there. My son, Seaver, my daughter, Sophia. Um, but, you know, there's just so many people. So, again, if there's any level of success that I've achieved, it's because I'm surrounded by incredible people. And so the list of shout-outs would, would be longer than my own. So I just, if you know my name, if you know who I am, um, you know that you're part of this story. And I'm so, so grateful for you. Thank you so much for what you're doing for our community through Clackamas Love, Inc., Stewart, and for the example that you've set before us. Amen. And thank you for listening to Difference Makers. Difference Makers.
Oh, 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 oh,